Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I'm going to have you stand to your feet. Turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And as we use this as a launching pad, kind of looking back to that time, Jesus said this in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is speaking and he says that Jesus, when he returns, is coming back for this kind of church. Look, look with me. It says, he did this to present her, talking to church, to himself, talking about himself, as a glorious church. Everyone say glorious. Without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. That when Jesus comes back, and we all believe that someday Jesus will return. And when he comes back, he's coming back for a church of people that are without spot, without wrinkle. A victorious church. Not a broke church. A victorious church. Not a sick church. A a victorious church. Not a divorced church. A church that is without spot or wrinkle. And when Jesus comes back, will he even recognize the church that he planted, the church that he developed? This is what throwback is all about. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to understand Jesus is coming back for a victorious church. And no matter how many, how much things change, things remain the same. And we look at how bad, how many would say that things are pretty bad right now in America today? Violence, uh, crime, uh, economy, um, the morality and things like that. All these things that are going on, we could look at how bad things have gotten. But I need you to understand that when the book, uh, when the New Testament was written, it was written during a time where idol worship was huge, where, where you were literally, uh, you, you had, um, you, you would go to some temples and you would have sexual relationships with priests and priestess there, and so get involved in, in whether it be homosexual relationships, whether it was heterosexual, that was part of your worship, and these took place in major cities out in public, and so we look at things at how bad they are. There was murders that took place in those days, and we look at how bad things have gotten, how bad they've degenerated. I need you to understand that things have always been bad. There's always been struggle. There's always been sickness. There's always been evil. There's always been some kind of crisis in the world today. It's always something going on. And so I need you to understand things aren't worse. Things are just bad. And that's what the church was created to be, was a light in the midst of the darkness. And no matter how dark that dark may be, the dimmest light will always break the darkest dark. Somebody say amen. And so I need you to understand that when things get dark, don't get scared, don't get worried. God, nothing catches God off guard, for God knows all things. He knew when things were going to take place. And I want you to understand that God has everything under control. Somebody say amen. So I want you to understand that when we look at the early church, Jesus planted the early church. And when he planted the early church, the early church went through some things. 
They endured some things. And it's easy to look today with the passing of certain laws, with things that are going on, with the attacks that are going on, and and with ISIS where they're killing Christians. It's easy to look and say, man, things are so bad today. The church is going through so much. You can't even declare that you're a Christian without having, or, or a believer in God without being ridiculed. It's no longer the end thing. But I want you to understand that the early church went through some trouble as well. In fact, what did they endure? I want you to recognize the early church went through ridicule. People made fun of them. Not only did they, people make fun of them, they persecuted them. They killed them on a daily basis. Killing the Christians was the end thing. It was something that, that they, they, if you declared that you were a Christian, you weren't declaring a religious freedom. You were literally open, you're putting open season on yourself to where you could be killed. Not only that, they went through some problems. They endured famines. They went through financial crisis. They went through some things in life that were really struggling. They got sick in body. They had some troubles that went on in their marriages. They had trouble going on in the church. They had a lot of racism going on. All these things were taking place in the church during that time. And not only that, they had a lot of needs as well. They had a lot of problems that were going on where, 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 where people were broke. People had different sicknesses, different ailments. And so all these individuals went through something. And I want to encourage you that if you're feeling today that you've gone through some ridicule, that you've gone through some persecution, that you've gone through some battles, gone through some needs, I need you to understand that you're in the right place because that's exactly what the early church went through as well. No one said life was going to be easy. In fact, in the book of Acts chapter 2, I want you to look, first of all, ridicule. Everyone say ridicule. How many of you have ever, and you don't have to raise your hands, but ever felt like you were being laughed at or persecuted because of your faith? How many of you have ever felt like people have made fun of you because of the standards that you held? That, that if you were a young lady that decided, you know what, I want to stay pure until I get married, that's no longer the in thing. That, that if you were one that decided that, you know, I, I serve, I believe in God, and so I have certain standards that I hold, that instead of people saying, you know, I'm happy for you, I'm proud of you about your belief, you become open to ridicule. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 13. It says this, but others in the crowd ridiculed them. Everyone say ridicule again. They ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk, that's all. The early church, after they they found themselves waiting on God and the Holy Spirit poured out upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, those that were outside the church began to watch them and say, man, these guys are drunk. And they started making fun of them. And I want you to understand something. Ridicule has taken place from the very beginning of time. People have always made fun of things that they don't understand. People have always pointed out people that are different. They laughed and they mocked the church at its inception. And so I need you to understand, church, don't expect the world to accept you because you are different. If you're looking for acceptance from the world, you're looking in the wrong place. Why doesn't the world accept us? The problem with the church is that we're trying to fit in too much instead of standing out. God never called us to fit in. He called us to be the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, the ones that are different. 
And yet we get mad when the church, when, when, you know, when, when laws are passed and things that maybe you don't agree with that, that don't match up to the word of God. I love what T.D. Jake says. He said he made a statement that was really powerful that I thought was amazing when he talked about when the, when the, the, the U.S. Supreme Court made the decision recently, they were not studying the Bible when they made that ruling. They were studying the Bill of Rights, that every American has certain rights. That it had nothing to do with biblically or morality-based ideas, but they were making judgments based on the Bill of Rights. That they were looking out for the rights of Americans. Whether you agree with it or not, they were looking out for rights of Americans. But follow me on this. And he says, so when, when, the, when the United States Supreme Court makes rulings, they do it based off the Bill of Rights. They're studying the Bill of Rights, not the Word of God. But... When Jesus returns, he is not going to judge you based on the Bill of Rights. He's going to judge you based on the Word of God. And so no matter what the Bill of Rights says, when Jesus returns, we are going to be judged off the Word of God, not based off the United States Constitution. And so if you choose to live your life based off the Constitution, then you've made your choice, but you've got to recognize it's the Word of God that we must live by because when Jesus returns, the great judge, then at that point we are going to be judged based on the Word, not on the Constitution. See, people tend to mock what they don't understand. That's why the world makes fun of us. That's why the world doesn't always understand that when you're sick, we're going to pray for you. But what do you mean? Now, that doesn't mean that you don't, you don't go to the doctor, that you don't take medication, you don't do, do certain things. But you, you, they, they, why are you praying? You, what, what, do you, what, what exactly is that? You know, uh, when you're in need, you give. You know, what, what do you, what, why do you take, why do you get up Sunday mornings and go to church? Well, why, why not just sleep in and watch it on television? Why, why do you do the things that you're, that you're doing here? Because I, I need you to understand the remedy to ignorance, the remedy to ignorance is not, is, is instruction, not insult. And this is the problem is that when people are ignorant to something, we insult them rather than giving them information and teaching them. That's why Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Instruction is vital. It's vital that we learn to instruct, that we teach people, because we will never begin to understand other people until we learn about them. So I need you to understand, everyone's gone through ridicule. Secondly, they were persecuted. You think you're going through a rough time? We just saw videos where people that believe in Christ, where heads were taken off them, pulled out of their house, bodies burned, because they professed a a belief in Christ, that they had been put to death just because they had a faith in their heart of who Jesus was. And today in America, we don't have a clue what true persecution is. To us, persecution is the fact that someone that, that someone laughed at you or, or, or got mad at you because you had a bumper sticker that you held to maybe biblical standards of what marriage might be. And you feel that's persecution. Someone looked, got mad at you or someone sent you a bad, a, a bad post on Facebook. Oh, I'm going under persecution. That's not persecution. The persecution that's happening at this time, it was common for the early church to be persecuted. In fact, the government, now listen very carefully, the government never saw eye to eye with the church. 
in the early church or in the church of today. That's why when America was established, we made the acknowledgement that church and state should be separated. I, I want you to recognize this, that they were persecuted for preaching one thing, Jesus. They didn't get mad at them for preaching healing. Didn't get mad at them for preaching salvation. Didn't get mad about preaching about needs being met. Didn't get mad about the breaking of bread, walking on water. The one thing they wanted them to stop preaching was Jesus. The very thing that they persecuted them about was about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. And what's amazing is that you you have the Christian community that might talk about certain standards and they're attacked. But in the Muslim community, if they say anything, everything's all right. No one says a word because we don't want to offend that religion. And yet it's only those that declare the name of Jesus that are coming under persecution. So, someone hearing me this morning. See, I want you to look at in Acts chapter 4. I just want to show you this. That Peter and John, the, these leaders were very disturbed in Acts chapter 4 verse 2. Very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching people that through Jesus there was resurrection of the dead. And they arrested them and sent and since it was already evening, put them in jail till morning. If you look at verse 5, or Acts chapter 5, verse 40, it says, Then they called in the apostles and flogged them. In other words, they whipped them, they beat them, and then ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. It's always been about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is offensive to some people. The name of Jesus bothers some people. Yet it's in the name of Jesus that healing happens. It's in the name of Jesus that demons tremble. It's the name of Jesus by which we're saved. And that's why Satan doesn't mind you being religious. He just doesn't want you to know Jesus. Go to church. Get involved in ministry. Get involved in community service. Just don't preach Jesus. I'll let you do whatever you want. Just stay away from Jesus. I'll let you be religious all you want. Just stay away from Jesus. The problem they had was Jesus. Because it's the name of Jesus that brings healing. There is no other name by which man shall be saved. But through Christ. Persecution was common. And you know, I, I, I need you to understand this. This is very important. I want, want, want to get this into your heart. We talk about persecution. Do you know that Jesus and Paul never asked the government to change a law? They never fought about law. They just changed people. Let me try this side. Because there's only about four people on this side, but maybe they'll catch it. There was never an argument with Jesus and because Jesus had, he had access to kings, to rulers, to governors. Paul operated his ministry within the realms of the government. But not one time do you see Paul saying, you know what, guys, we really need to change these laws. We, we need you guys to do this. We need you guys see Jesus standing before the king and saying, hey, guys, we got to shift some laws here to make our, our religion a little more acceptable. Not one time Jesus or Paul never asked the government to change a law. They focused in on changing people. Because we understand that changed people change people. 
Then if, I get, if someone gets changed and someone's transformed by the power of God, then when the, if they get elected into a place, they can bring change because they've been changed. Somebody say amen. And so what we need is more changed people operating in politics than we need to try to change a law or try to change society through government because government doesn't change society. People change society. The problems that they, they also face problems as well. The early church went through some major problems. You think our church has issues? You're like, yeah, but you think we got issues? You think the church in general, religion has issues? We all have problems. We all have issues. Why? Because it's filled with imperfect people. As long as people are in the church, you're going to have problems. Someone looked at you wrong. Someone took your parking place. Someone didn't shake your hand. Someone was gossiping about you. Someone put a post about you on Facebook or on Twitter or something. Everyone is so easily offended about this, that, and the other thing. And so we're so, so careful over certain things. And here we are. There's problems everywhere. There's issues everywhere. And I want you to notice this, is that the early church was not perfect. Everyone say, was not perfect. So if you are not perfect, you're in the right place. All right? If you've ever had an addiction, you're in the right place. You ever, had a, ever gone through a divorce, you're in the right place. Ever had issues or, 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 or bitterness in your heart, you're in the right place. Why? Because we're all sinners that are in need of a Savior. We're all people that need transformation. So there were all kinds of issues. Look, look at this. In the early church, you had liars. No, I'm not going to elaborate on that. They had racism. Racism was a huge, huge issue in the early church. But it wasn't black and white. In those days, it was Jew and Gentile. Because the gospel came to the Jew first, and anyone that wasn't Jew, they, they considered to be lower class than them. The neglect, they had people that were being neglected, individuals that were, that were widows that weren't being taken care of. There was poverty going on. There was sin ha- that was running rapid, all kinds of issues. In fact, let me just read a couple scriptures to kind of lay this, lay this foundation with you a bit more, okay? Acts chapter 5, If you uh, no, notice this. Peter is talking to, a, you know, what's going on is people are selling their property, People have needs in the church. And so the church, early church came together and they started selling their property and then giving their, the money from that property to the apostles to help people that were going through need. The early church didn't use welfare. The early church didn't rely on the government to supply their needs. The church took care of their own. Say it again, Pastor. The church took care of their own. You didn't have to go get food stamps. You didn't have to worry about, about hoping for government assistance. The church, the people in the church were so united that if you had two houses, you would sell one and you would give the money to the apostles. If you had two cars, you would sell one and then give the money to the apostles. And the apostles would then give that money to others that would distribute it to people that had need. Now, the difference was this. You had over 3,000 people that accepted the Lord at one moment. And so those 3,000 people were from other nations, other cities, other places that had come together for this festival called Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit falls. They, they end up accepting the Lord. They're transformed. And instead of going home, many of them moved to the city of Jerusalem. 
And so now they're there with their homeless. They, 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 they've left their families. They stayed here. And now they need to find a way of surviving. They didn't just live off the generosity of others. They used the generosity until they got back on their feet again. We've we got to learn the balance between helping people out and if you do not work, you do not eat. There, there's a balance that takes place in the word of God. But I want you to notice this, that what, what happens. So, so Peter's talking in verse 3 of chapter 5 of Acts. He says, then Peter said to Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. This is, there's, a, there's a family that sold their house, some property, and now they come to the disciples and they say, here's the money, and they lay it down. And, and I look at that and I said, that's harsh. He calls him a liar. He's calling him out on this. And when you see what the judgment is later, it's like, dude, that is, uh, you think about sins? I think, you know, maybe adultery. I think maybe murder. I think, you know, uh, molesting a child or things like that. I mean, God doesn't rate sin, but sometimes we do. You know what I'm talking about? And so selling drugs to kids or whatever. So when you, when you see this, when you look at what's happening here, these guys were part of the church. They sold a piece of property. They didn't need to do that. They took the money. They didn't need to do that. They gave it to the church. They didn't need to do that. But what they were lying about was saying that we gave all of it when they had kept some back. All they did was lie. Just a little white lie. Come on, somebody. Follow me on this. I'm, I'm, as a pastor, I have issues with this scripture. Because if, if God killed every one of us that lied, hello, none of us would be in here right now. And yet when they come, I love what, Paul, what, what uh, Peter tells him here in verse 4. The property was yours to sell or not, as you wish. In other words, it belonged to you. It was yours. He goes, after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. What he was saying is this. Listen, when the property was yours, it belonged to you. No one forced you to sell it. And then when you sold it, the money was yours. No one said you had to give it to the church. But the fact that you came and said, this is all of it. If you had just said, yeah, we sold the property. We just, we, we want to bring some of it and we want to bless the church. We want to bless those that have need. They would have been fine. But everyone else was selling property, bringing the money to the church. And they were saying, they were giving all of it. And they wanted to be included. They wanted to be honored like everyone else. So they acted like they brought everything over to God. They acted like they gave everything to God. They acted like they had gone all in when in reality they had held some back. And I want you to understand because of that, Peter looks at him and says, you know what, because you have lied to the Holy Spirit, there are men at the door ready to take you to your grave. And he died immediately. You imagine that happening today? We would have NBC, CNN, uh, MSNBC showing up here at the church. I would be indicted for murder. I would be standing, you know, I'd be there in the court. The guys came in, say he gave everything to the church, and Spirit of God told me to tell them that, you know, you lied. And because you lied, God's going to judge you. I, I would, we, we would find ourselves, you imagine that being all over the news. All because a man lied. 
But it wasn't the lie. It was the fact that he lied to the Holy Spirit. These are issues going on in the early church. Notice this in Acts chapter 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, someone say rapidly. Whenever there's growth, there's problems. Wherever growth happens, there's problems. In a business that's growing fast, in a family that's growing fast, and in a church that's growing fast. And they begin to complain because some of the Hellenistic uh, widows, which were, were Jewish women that had taken on Greek culture were being neglected in the distribution of food and being taken care of. And so what was happening when, when a Jewish lady was coming through, they would kick her down a couple chickens and a couple bags of rice and, you know, taking care of her needs. But when that same Jewish lady that had taken on Greek background or Greek culture, they would only give her the bag of rice. So they would hold back the other parts of the food. They weren't giving her as much. They were, they, racism was taking a place in this. They, they were holding back. And when that happened... That, that raised an issue in the church. Listen, early church had some issues. Peter and Paul are fighting about Paul's uh, racism or Peter's racism about how he would hang out with the Gentiles when, everyone would, when no one was around. But as soon as a Jewish person would show up, Peter would walk away from the Gentiles and not even associate with them. That there's issues. They had problems. They had struggles. They also had, and I want you to understand, the, the problems from within, without are harder to deal with than the problems from within. But let me put it this way. It, it's easy to deal when people are attacking you from the outside, but what about when the problems are coming from inside your own family? And that, that's what's happening here. They're dealing with problems in the church. They're going through economic issues, too. I'm about to close here, so stay with me. Amen? I'm going somewhere. I'm taking you somewhere on this thing. Financial issues are, are, are nothing new. How many of you have gone through financial issues? We, we, we all have. Economic issues are nothing new. People had needs then just like they do today. And the church was going through that same struggle. The famines were taking place. Generosity needed to be exercised during that time. And so you see in the word of God that financial hardships are the opportunity for us to make a difference. And any financial hardship, what my wife and I used to love to do is we would, we would love to do uh, drive-by blessings. Heard of drive-by shootings. We would do drive-by blessings. And we would find out people that had need or they would find out they were struggling. We would drive up to their house, drop off a bunch of groceries on their, door, their doorstep, ring the doorbell, and then take off. And then all of a sudden, they would open the door and there's all this, these groceries there and not knowing where they, where they came from or, or, or who gave it to them. And just let them know that, you know what, God just blessed you. And I want you to understand that the ability to bless people, financial crisis, is a great opportunity not just for you to find God meeting your need, but a great opportunity for you also to be the God to someone that's in need as well. Somebody say amen. This is where I close. Vivi, if you could help me. I want you to recognize, how did they respond to ridicule? How do you and I respond when we people make fun of us? How do we respond when people begin to not accept the standards that we hold in Christ because the world doesn't understand you? What they did is that when people made fun of them, Peter stepped up from among the crowd. This man that was scared, this man that was timid, stepped up under the power of the Holy Spirit and he stood up boldly. What do you do when people make fun of you? You stand up in boldness and you make a declaration that who I am, if you're able to stand up and tear me down, I'm not 
not going to sit back. I'm going to stand up and let you know what I believe. I'm going to declare who my God is. The Bible says that Peter stood up and the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness. Everyone say boldness. They saw the boldness of Peter and John for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, but they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I want you to understand that when you're with Christ, it's evident. People will see that you have, that something's different about you, that when people make fun of you, you have the presence of God to be able to step up and stand boldly for who God's made you. Somebody say amen. I want you to recognize that also that when they, were, when, when they were persecuted, they responded with praise. How many of us, when we go through, through struggle, we begin to complain? Do you realize that complaining is worship and praise to the kingdom of darkness? That when you complain, you're literally worshiping the enemy in the midst of that complaining? But when you praise God in the midst of persecution, you respond with praise rather than than, than distress. That in the midst of the struggles you go through, I'm praising God in the middle of this trouble. I'm going to praise God in the midst of this persecution. I'm going to magnify God in the midst of this problem. I'm going to lift up his name. And I refuse to allow outside influences to change who my God is. My God's greater than any problem, greater than any sickness, greater than any struggle, powerful than any storm. My God is a great God. And when you praise God in the midst of the struggle, things happen. Paul and Silas are locked in jail because of their witness to Christ, beaten and whipped. At midnight, they begin to worship. The Bible says that literally the earth shook. Some of you need the earth to shake under you because you need a move of God today. How did they respond to problems? They responded with ministry When they found that people were being neglected and that things weren't taken care of, they stepped up and they said, let's create a ministry to meet these needs. Every problem is an opportunity. When you have a problem in life, turn it into ministry. When there's something that bothers you, whatever bothers you is what God's called you to fix. Whatever you see out of place, when you, and we talked about this, El Nelva Ministers of the Homeless, for those of you that have started men's homes, women's homes, that have created ministry, it's because you saw a problem that needed to be solved. How did they respond to poverty? They responded with generosity. See, I want you to understand something as I close here is simply this. As the church responded to the problems that they faced, God responded to them. Now listen to me this morning. This is very important. I want you to understand something. Take a look here. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. It says, A deep, deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Acts 3, 7, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, and the apostles performed very many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. What am I talking about? That these signs shall follow them that believe. 
That when you respond correctly to ridicule, that when you respond correctly to persecution, that when you respond correctly to the problems in the church, when you respond correctly to the needs that are around you, God says, because you're doing the very thing I ask you to do, I'm going to show up in power. I'm going to show up in glory. I'm going to show up in strength. And the very thing that you're battling against, I'm going to show up and show off. I'm going to allow my presence to come and stand on your behalf. I'm here to tell you something today, if you feel like you've been ridiculed, if you feel like people are making fun of you because of your stance for God, or maybe you've just been accepted by everyone, you got to start questioning what you stand for. Because if no one is pointing fingers at you, then that means you're just going along with the flow. If we're not feeling persecution, then apparently we're not offending anyone. Our belief Jesus said he came to bring a sword, not peace. Do you understand that when you said, I'm a Christian, you are literally giving allegiance to another kingdom? Rome hated the church. It brought death. But when they responded correctly, God showed up in power. When you respond correctly, God shows up in power. When you respond correctly, God shows up in power. When you respond correctly, God shows up in power. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.